This is your host, Silas Dean, and this is a Creep Time original podcast, The Sinister. So make sure to go check out Creep Time, the podcast, right after this show. There are very, very few stories in the world of true crime, of mysteries, you know, ones that kind of strike the same chord as that of Kanika Jenkins, which is effectively the story of a young girl. She was at a hotel for a birthday. She was partying among friends, and allegedly they had lost track of her. So we would later get camera footage where we see Kanika Jenkins kind of wandering the corridors of the hotel. Eventually, she makes her way into the kitchen of the hotel. And then she is out of sight. She completely vanishes. By the following morning, a search would commence inside the hotel where they found something shocking. Kanika Jenkins, at 19, was found dead in the hotel freezer. And although her death is ultimately ruled as an accident, there are still a lot of questions about those friends and what really went down in this hotel. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Sinister with Silas. I'm your host, Silas Dean, and every week I come right on here. I hang out with you right after an episode of Creep Time, the podcast, and I cover the eeriest stories that I know. So please follow and subscribe to the podcast and turn on the bell notification so that you never have to miss an episode. And I would also appreciate a review and if you could share the podcast to help support the stories of The Sinister. Thanks again for stopping by. And with that, let's get into the story. So this story is really going to take us back to September 8th, 2017. So we're going to hone in on 19-year-old Kanika Jenkins. She would end up going to a hotel, the Crown Hotel, where she is supposed to be going there for a night of partying. So specifically, this is the Crown Plaza Hotel in Rosemont, Illinois. And from the research that I was able to dig up on this, I believe it was her friend Irene's birthday. So it's really a party for her, but it's supposed to be a lot of people. They have several hotel rooms. There are guys, there are girls. Kanika is showing up and she actually borrowed her mom's car. Her mom never let anybody borrow her car except for Kanika. So she drives it to the hotel. So the story of the night, if we're going in chronological order, it really starts at around 11 p.m. This is around the time that Kanika arrived at the hotel. She was driving. She had several other girls in her car. I believe three friends total. Irene, the birthday girl, she's already at the hotel. From what it looks like, Irene had rented out room 26, which is on the 11th floor. So all the girls go up. The guys end up showing up as well. And it's really just two hours of partying from here on out if we're going by the timeline. So it's booze, it's drugs, it's a lot of hanging out in this place that go on for the next couple of hours. We roll around to one. And what's so interesting about this case is that there's actually a bit of video footage of what happened in those two hours. Like we see the girls kind of getting together. We see them in an elevator. And then we get a Facebook Live video, which actually came from Irene's account. This video has been such a huge point of contention in this case because Irene She's really just on there. It's about a six minute long clip, right? And, you know, she's on there just kind of having people wish her a happy birthday. She's not really saying much. What's interesting about it is what's going on in the background 
there are two audio snippets that people have really scrutinized. One that comes first, where they think in the background, allegedly, you can hear somebody say, we're about to murder somebody tonight. It's unclear if they actually said that, or they could have been joking, maybe it was a figure of speech, but it's more disturbing when you kind of fast forward maybe about a minute or two later, where somebody also can allegedly be heard saying, they're still in there raping her. These were two major moments that would be heavily analyzed in the conspiracy theories around this case and around what actually happened to Kaniga Jenkins that night. About an hour after this, we get another video that would surface from the party. This is in a different hotel room from the previous Facebook Live that was coming from Irene. This video, Kanika can be seen, and she seems totally fine, which kind of debunks a few of the conspiracies about what was maybe heard going on in the background. But I should note that in the previous video, that Facebook Live, not once is Kanika actually seen in the background. So there's lots of debate about, you know, was that actually what they were saying? Was it even in relation to her, etc.? So Kanika is seen in this video an hour later. She looks to be fine. She looks to be pretty normal. I mean, she's not really overly intoxicated. And I think this is around maybe two in the morning at this point because the original Facebook Live came at 1 a.m. But all of this really starts to go wrong, according to the official story, at around 3 a.m. This is when they officially lose track of Kanika. So they say. Now, officially, between 3 to 4 a.m., they actually end up contacting Kanika's mother, her friends, and they let her know, you know, we lost track of Kanika. And they also tell her that they're leaving the hotel, which is really strange because it's so late into the night and they've presumably already paid for these rooms and they're not kicked out. So why are they leaving the hotel? And even stranger, I mean, I guess this was logical in the moment. They said, we're going to take her her phone because she left her phone and her keys. Because Kanika's, her car is still there. So they take her stuff without finding her and just ditch the hotel. It's like four in the morning. Very, very suspicious. So that happens. And of course, Kanika's mother is worried. So she would end up getting to the hotel. She arrives by 5 a.m. and she is looking for her daughter. I would say almost immediately her mother is kind of met with a hurdle because the hotel staff, I think it's a shift like switchover. So the morning staff is now taking over for the night staff by 5 a.m. She comes in. She reports that her daughter is missing somewhere in the hotel because the car is still out front. She thinks her daughter is in this hotel. So she's asking, can I see camera footage? At first, the hotel says, we don't have any camera footage. That's a lie. (laughs) When she probes a bit further... They say, well, in order to obtain the CCTV footage, you have to have an official missing persons report. Also a lie, like just a flat out lie. They don't want to help her. So she's standing there. She's completely helpless. She has really no way forward. So she calls the police. It's the only thing she can do. So we do have that 911 call. And on it, she's kind of met with the same sort of resistance from the operator. You know, she's 19 years old. She could have just gone off with her friends. She might have been drinking. It's a whole... It's, it's a litany of stuff and reasons why they shouldn't come to investigate. But she is very insistent, no, listen, her car is here. It's my car. Nobody else drives that car. She does not have her phone. She doesn't have her keys. She's probably very intoxicated in this hotel, and she's somewhere in the building. We need help to find this girl. But, of course, as we know, 
County does not show up, so Kanika's mother takes things into her own hands. She would end up leaving, returns to the hotel with family. They just start searching. I mean, they're not going to wait for the hotel to, like, guide them around. They are looking through the hotel, searching the building, knocking door to door, asking guests if they've seen anything, if they might have seen her maybe last night. Because at this point, we're rolling around to, like, 10, 15, 20 plus hours that Kanika has been missing. Like, something is wrong here. Now, the hotel does catch on to this, and they would actually end up contacting the police. They call the police on Kanika's mother. And, you know, there's a 911 call of this as well, and they're saying, you know, she's searching the hotel. She thinks, you know, there's a missing person. Her daughter's somewhere in the building, which is logical because this was the last place Kanika was clearly seen. So rather than actually helping her or taking any sort of responsibility or assuming culpability, they try to contact the police to get the woman arrested, the Crown Plaza Hotel. So when exactly does this all come to a head, to a peak? Now, the police do show up. The hotel management, of course, is involved at this point because there is tension between Kanika's family, hotel management. They are continuing to search, and eventually they find something shocking. They would enter the hotel kitchen, one of them, where they notice that the freezer is partially ajar, the door to it. They open it, and there is the body of Kanika Jenkins, frozen to the floor. Now, at this point, as they're looking at the body, there are no signs of physical trauma or exterior trauma, which would get confirmed from the autopsy, so she just looks completely frozen solid to the floor. Her clothes are kind of haphazardly partially pulled off her body, but that could have also been the result of the paradoxical effect of hypothermia, if that was how she died. So of course, when there is an autopsy, after they remove the body, and this is a devastating find, they would find her blood alcohol level was somewhere around 1.12, which is considered drunk for her height and weight, but not drunk to the point of what we would see on the camera footage that surfaces. They also found in her system tropyramate, which is a medication that is typically used for treating migraines and helping to prevent seizures. It's an epilepsy medication. And although her blood alcohol level was not that of somebody who was as intoxicated as the person we would see on this footage, it is believed that in conjunction with this medication, it could have devastating effects. But then we have to get into this whole conversation about the footage. So... I believe the first snippet of footage that kind of leaks from the CCTV when the Crown Plaza eventually does turn over all of their camera footage, it's at 2.26 a.m. So at this point, I don't actually know that her friends had already left the hotel, but she is alone. She is wandering the hotel. She is on different floors. She's going up and down elevators. She is absolutely intoxicated, completely belligerent can barely stand, is bumping into walls, falling all over the place. And again, for for most of this, she's kind of crossing between several different cameras. At no point do you see anyone. But there, again, has been a lot of contention and conspiracy around this to say that she was being followed and pursued by someone. And at different points in the footage, it, it seems evident that someone is following her but is evading cameras. There's a few different points where, you know, people point out, like, you can see an arm try to grab her to, like, pull her around a corridor. Like, somebody is guiding her, I guess. But I do not see that. I think what we can mostly 
attribute that to is a very pixelated video and you can see pixels bleeding into other pixels, which creates partial illusions that look like maybe it could be a hand reaching out for her or something, or maybe it's a certain way that she stumbles that looks like she's being pulled, but it's purely just her being intoxicated. So I don't actually know that I can corroborate that. But what we do find out is that in total, there were 31 people who were there that night at this party. And both of the hotel rooms that they were using, it turns out, were purchased on a fraudulent credit card. So I think that was probably the reason why everybody was trying to like get out of Dodge around 4 a.m. And they really had no choice in their mind, I guess, to stick around and look for Kanika. But surely, surely, if they had seen that she was that intoxicated, nobody would just leave this girl roaming through a hotel. So that's a whole other conversation. So after the local investigation is effectively closed because they completed their autopsy, they found no evidence of trauma, they found no evidence of sexual assault, there seems to be no story here other than that Kanika Jenkins was on a medication. She was drunk enough so that it conflicted with the medication. She was left alone irresponsibly by her friends, wandered a hotel, entered a hotel kitchen, got into the freezer, and then for some reason, once she was in there, the door was closed. She closed the door and never got herself out. So let's talk about that freezer. The freezer itself did have an emergency latch on the inside that could have let anybody out if they had closed that door and it had locked, let's say. But from what I read, the freezer was already partially ajar, partially open. So it really didn't make a lot of sense that she would need to kind of wander to find this emergency latch. It would make sense that she could just push the door open, but it was probably dark in there. So maybe she was blinded because she was intoxicated and she couldn't really see properly. So the story is that she just basically passes out on the ground, eventually falls victim to hypothermia. She's partially undressing. And again, she has no injuries to support anything else. And we don't really see anybody on any of the other camera footage coming in or out of that area until the police come in the following day. Now, before I get into any of the territory that feels kind of conspiracy-driven on this, I will also say the family did petition for a second and private investigation, which included a private autopsy. That investigation and autopsy was parallel to the original. It did not find anything else to support something nefarious went down no foul play. Now, what's strange about this is that the hotel has remained consistent, that they have no additional camera footage actually showing what went down with her going into the freezer. All you see is her wandering through the kitchen, she turns a corner, and they said, that's all the footage we have. There is a camera that is actually directly pointed to the freezer, so it's never been clear why they didn't provide that footage, why that footage wasn't available or it wasn't capturing. But then we get into this whole other conversation about potential conspiracies with the hotel being in the pocket of the police. This hotel, the Crown Plaza, does not have a good reputation. It did not have a good reputation before this. It does not have a good reputation after this. It has been a focal point for safety concerns for a long time. And there were actually some conspiracies and reports that this could have been the hotbed for an organ trafficking ring. Now, 
as you can imagine, with a case like this, where we have a young girl who was left alone, very, very intoxicated, seemingly beyond what she had actually consumed, what was found in her autopsy report, her toxicology report, it's unusual that we're missing footage of her final moments where a lot of people have said it felt like the hotel could have possibly been coercing her into this freezer, and that was a tactic to at least kill her without physically harming her to then pursue organ harvesting if there was like a black market tie-in here. So this is a very, very deep conspiracy that um, is a bit far-fetched, but to entertain it, to talk about it, I suppose it would be an interesting scenario to kind of lock someone who is drunk in a freezer to then kill them, I I suppose, or, or make it look like they would just freeze to death in that scenario and then take their organs or sell their body when you had the chance. But that plan was seemingly disrupted by a mother who came to a hotel, was met with resistance, and defied the hotel and went searching for her daughter anyway. So if this were true, that would have foiled the plan completely, and now we just have this kind of mysterious, unexplained situation where an intoxicated girl walked into a freezer and then refused to walk out until she froze to death. It's very odd, and I can understand why people take this route of trying to pin this on the hotel, create some sort of underbelly of, you know, a nefarious um, backplot or backstory that Kaneko was being pursued for human trafficking or organ trafficking. But really here, I think the culprit would be the people she was with, those who did not look after her so that she wandered off. And whether you believe that she was, you know, preyed upon by people who had bad intentions within the hotel, or she just walked into the freezer and simply passed out, and this was a devastating and tragic situation, the people to really blame here are those who did not care for her, those who did not watch after her. But I guess you could look at it in the in the sense of, if they were pretty sure, well, she didn't drink enough to be, like, blackout drunk. Maybe they couldn't have anticipated the medication that she was on and how that would conflict with the alcohol. So maybe they thought, you know, she's probably just mildly drunk and she walked off or, like, went somewhere, but she's probably not in a dangerous situation. They were just so gravely wrong. So where does all of this net out in the Kanika Jenkins story? There is something about it that feels incredibly unusual, which is why I think most people have gravitated towards it and they say, no, there has got to be something nefarious here. Whether it is at the fault of her friends, it is at the fault of the hotel, this conspiracy about the black market, the organ harvesting, the police are in on it. It's a whole conspiracy that truly, truly is really without any concrete evidence. We have two separate autopsy reports that do not show any trauma, I guess, other than, you know, her freezing to death. So the only scenario here that could actually explain that would be the conspiracy that the hotel or whoever was coercing her planned to kill her by getting her into the freezer and then locking her in until she froze to death. And then the plan would unfold to use her body, sell her body, whatever the conspiracy is. There's just not much to support that. There's really not much to support that she was even followed. The only thing that really makes this strange for me is that the hotel freezer 
did not appear to be locked. It was partially opened, like I said, so says the police. Because again, we do not have footage of that discovery. And that's part two of what makes this strange, that there is a camera that is directly pointed to the freezer door. And yet we do not have CCTV footage from the hotel of her entering or exiting or, you know, whatever was going down at the freezer door for whatever reason. We have camera footage from almost every other camera in that hotel, every hallway, the kitchen. First of all, a kitchen that should have been locked. And apparently it was a kitchen that wasn't even really in use at the time. If you look at the video footage, it's not a kitchen that's fully stocked or anything. It's not a kitchen that the hotel is clearly using for any any like daily purposes. I think I read somewhere that the kitchen was being temporarily used by a restaurant for a neighboring hotel. They were renting the kitchen out or something to that effect where somebody was kind of using that kitchen. But again, I mean, the search went on for like more than 20 hours before anybody had found Kanika Jenkins' body. It's really just a devastating story. It's a tragic story to me. And I don't know that I can confidently say that I believe she was being pursued by anyone in that hotel or that anyone had it out for her. It would have been very opportunistic, but it's not entirely impossible. There are a few details here that do make this feel strange. I think some of the audio clips that were heard in the background with the friends are kind of damning. But I think ultimately, the people to point the finger to would be her friends. It would be them for leaving her there in that state. It would be their negligence that was running in tandem with the negligence of the hotel who did not properly secure an entrance to a kitchen, which had an entrance to a freezer. It's a dangerous situation. It's a liability. So ultimately, I think that's where the Kanika Jenkins case will stand. I think it is a tragic accident that has some very mysterious circumstances, but ultimately not exactly a conspiracy. So that is this case in sort of a bird's eye view. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Sinister. It has been a lot of fun to hang out with you, so thank you for listening. I'm very happy that we got to go a little bit deeper into this case than what I knew from the top line. And with that, I will catch you on the episode next week.